Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Flyers' sticks finally come alive, but it results in another loss. Still looking for a solid win after giving up the first goal. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 163 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you're following us as always on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at OBackcheck wherever you are on social media. I am Bill Kornfeld. That is Scott Weinhart. And uh, this is an interesting week for the Philadelphia Flyers. They uh, are in the midst of an eight-game streak against the Metropolitan opponents. Two, three, and one. Uh, honestly, keeping pace with the rest of the pack. Uh, they're outside of the playoff hunt right now, but you win again uh, to, uh, on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you're right back into the playoff hunt uh, for this team. Uh, Joel Farabee was benched after just 56 seconds of ice time, which we'll get into. And one of the most egregious, I don't like, do you call it a non-call? Like, it's obviously a non-call that resulted in a major call uh, against Garrett Hathaway uh, as he laid the body into Luke Hughes on a what seemingly seemed like a uh, icing that the ref just got lazy and forgot that he was refereeing a major league hockey game and uh, resulted in a hard check um, and the like. But uh, Scott, after going down two nothing, team comes back. You think they're dead in the water because they're what? Oh, nine and two on the season when they've given up the first goal, uh, which is never good. Trying to look for that first W almost had it. Uh, but then 26 seconds into overtime, they blow it, uh, not blow it, but they uh, give up a goal to uh, the Devils and the game is over and they come away with a point. So, uh, and honestly, one of the most entertaining games of the year. And that's, that's, that was the fun part too, at least. I, I got to say, I, you know, when they went down to nothing, it's like, oh man, here we go again. And then they go down three and they're three, it's three, one. And it's like, man, it just, for whatever reason, for the last, I, I, I was actually watching the game with, uh, with my wife and I, I look over and I say, man, it just for the last four games, this team can't muster more than just a goal. And, you know, it's amazing that they beat the Islanders in that sense. They beat them one nothing. They scored one goal against the Rangers, one goal against the Islanders. They win one, lose one, score one goal against the Hurricanes, which they came close to tying. That 4-1, that 4-1 score was very, very, very deceitful for how close that game really was for 57 minutes. Um, and then um, last night, scoring one and then a, a Matt Walker shot, a seeing eye shot. One of those, I tell you, as a goalie, that's one of the hardest shots to pick up because it's rising off the ice. Players are skating around, and you don't see it to the last second, and you can't react to it. 
yeah, then the he was great shielded deflection. really well too. Yeah, like it just it just snuck under the bar. The way it ro- rose, it just it just kept rising and rising and rising. A rising shot under the bar, a great shot. Um, and uh, also Tyson Forrester's deflection was great. Flyers get going, get a power play goal last night. Look, I thought when when they got down three two, when they come back in, it, I was like, man, they're gonna tie it. They're gonna tie it. They're gonna tie it. And I'm telling you, like that was the first time all season. Like I felt like, oh man, like I'm into it. Like I can feel it. They're gonna tie. And when I when they when they tied, I jumped up. I was like, yes, like you want to see that? Like this team has fight, and it and it worked in their favor. Like yes, they're eleven ten and two, but the Devils are eleven nine and one, and they have the best power play in the league. Like yeah, the Flyers lost the game in the long run, but they got the point. They battled back to get to the point, and right now. That's extremely important. I mean, you're right. Right now, they're out of the wild card picture. But they're they're going to get better. Because even though they have played one game more than the Islanders, the Islanders have a minus 10 goal differential, which tells me defensively they're not very disciplined. Tampa, a minus three goal differential. Detroit's a powerhouse, that plus 17 goal differential. They're really on the mend. But yet again, you're not... The Rangers and the Hurricanes are going to be battling for one and two here. The Capitals, I, I just think they're good right now. I just don't think they're going to be there towards the end of the season. But you look around, it's like Pittsburgh is finally scoring more goals, but they're not really winning any uh, too many more games. I just feel like that this team, with that game last night, really showed something that's like, okay, I think they're getting out of that tonight. They scored a power play goal. I mean, you can't, you can't complain about that. So, I mean. Scored two. Yeah, score two power play. You're right. Excuse me. Put two power play goals. So that's the thing is that you uh it's it's awesome how all of a sudden you can just things can turn like that. And you you I don't know if you noticed this, but when they were celebrating the game time goal, they were so energized. Like, there's nothing you could do. You were had almost 50 shots on goal last night, and you had to battle, battle, battle for that point. And Nobody should be mad at all. They didn't lose a second point. I mean, I it's frustrating. Yeah, you wanted to get as many points as possible, but I'm kind of glad that they didn't get that second point because you're, you're okay. From okay, from a standpoint, from the standings, yes, they wanted to get that second point. But you're, you're going to miss what I'm, you're going to miss what I'm saying here. You guys had to battle back to get that one point. Yeah, you could get in second, but you put Jersey on the ropes. You put them on the ropes. And I think that, honestly, getting a win and sneaking out of it is not as critical as important as saying, you guys battled back, you got the point you needed. Keep going. Keep grinding. And, and I think that that sings the message like, man, we didn't get it done, but man, we know we can do this. And I think that that's more important. I definitely don't – I don't disagree with that. Like it, the the battling back and like some overtime losses feel like wins, some overtime losses feel like losses, like that kind of sentiment. See it in other sports that have a tie, obviously – Soccer is the biggest one that has draws in the regular season uh, where a point is distributed over three uh, three points for soccer. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that sentiment. The reason I do break away, and look, I said it at the start, they're 2-3-1 and one on this eight-game swing. They have two games left, which is a home-and-home home against Pittsburgh, uh, who are just as bad, if not worse, than what you are right now, arguably. I We talked about this last week. The problem I have where it's a four-point game, not just a two-point game. So you gave up three points, really, because you 
didn't get you didn't get the two full points in in regulation and give away a, a not allowed jersey to get a point and then obviously j- the devils got one two points out of the uh the the win and then you got a you got one point so you didn't capitalize on a two a four point swing game being able to one you gave up another early goal that put you down one nothing like i said your own 9 and 2 what I will say is you didn't let the moment of one of the most ridiculous calls in Garrett Hathaway's uh, five-minute major in game misconduct to – because that that at that point, the game could have gone away from you. Absolutely could have gone away from you. Um, and they completely killed it off. All the power to them. So, yeah, I do agree that this particular game is nice because they got a point – or they got a point out of it. They didn't uh, – uh, it, it, they keep the devils at bay. They honestly, they just keep themselves at bay. Um, I just feel you might get a little frustrated later in the season when, if they are still battling for a playoff spot, you look back and you're like, "This is one of those games that they should have had. They should have won." And two points. I'm not saying right at the. I'm not saying it's a definitive thing, but this was a game they probably should have won. Uh, I felt. I think they really outplayed them. They Maybe. did. They hit a hot goaltender. I, I but the same time is too. It's like. Both goaltenders had to play very well just to keep that game as it was. Like, Carter Hart played unbelievable last night. Akira Schmid played unbelievable last night. I think the stronger game we could talk about was the Black Friday game. That was the game that was really more frustrating than the Oscars. Oh, that was stupid. They did not show, They were still stuffed up from turkey dinner or uh, something. I, I, don't, I don't agree with you. I don't think yeah. it was anything was shown. No, I don't think it was they didn't show up. I just don't think they played a disciplined game. I mean, if you take away those couple of goals that happened early, that's a much closer game, but they couldn't get anything going offensively against the Islanders winning one nothing. Like, you know, you have Sam Orson there pitching a shutout just to get at two points. Yeah. Like, you know, and you gave the Islanders a point in that one. That's 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 that one you had to get two out of. You couldn't you had to you couldn't get shut out and you know still get a point. You had to you had to get that extra point there. Carolina, man, I just feel like they're vulnerable. Because the Flyers have already beaten them this year. Let's not forget that. The Flyers beat them back at the end of October. Uh, I'm sorry, not the the, uh, the middle of November. They, they beat them. They can beat that team. But, you know, like, you know, they, the, uh, what I saw the other day was just that that was a back and forth game, tight scoring. And then the strangest goal that I've ever seen a goalie give up happened off a flubbed shot. It catches the bottom scoop of his pad and it still finds a way to get in. Like, I was looking at that, I'm like, oh, man, Carter, you got to have that. When I look at the slow speed, I'm like, did I, did I see that right? Like, he literally was, like, made the save and went to go push, and the puck just slipped out from under skating in the net. It's it's just it's a bad goal. But that was the backbreaker. That was the backbreaker. Honestly, I thought Carter Hart, up until the killing of that five-minute major on Friday night against the Devils, he looked not shaky, but he didn't look right. He didn't look himself uh, over the last couple of games he's played, letting up soft goals like you were just talking about uh, against the Rangers. Uh, I thought that I, uh, the breakaway was the second goal. Maybe it was the first goal against the Devils. I thought he wanted that one back. Def- I think it might have been actually the third. Um, but the second goal was just a complete defensive breakdown. Uh, left Couturier completely uh on his heels and just like had no shot like sulky winner or not you're not you're you're not gonna break uh either of those uh of those uh, make that make that play so left him out hung and dry but that actually leads to what i was the the other thing for me was what also could have gotten you the win on friday night 
was if you played Joel Farabee. Um, this was a classic moment of uh, Joel Farabee, or excuse me, uh, Torts benching a guy. Usually it's it's Morgan Frost, who's been the, the punching bag uh, for Torts. But obviously on Friday night was um, uh, Joel Farabee. He got 56 seconds of total ice time uh, after that first goal for the Devils. Uh, where it looked like he just didn't get back. He did, didn't skate back in, in an aggressive manner, pissed Torts off, and he benched him. Yeah. So could they have used Joel Farabee's stick uh, with, with a few, uh, on a few of those power plays despite sc- scoring two goals? They had plenty of chances. I say yes. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm always a player uh, first guy. I think Torts, especially after when he was asked, uh, said he didn't listen. That's none of your business of what I'm fine with that for the most part. I, I, but, um, why only for the most part though? Because as fans who, and as, 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 as fans pay to go to these games, Joel Farabee is one of the marquee guys at this point that fans want to watch, especially if I were to venture to guess other than names like, uh, Travis Sanheim and Sean Couturier, who are just going to be part of this team, after the rebuild uh, because of contractual obligations, I anticipate Joel Farabee to be right up there with that, with them um, uh, for this rebuild and be part of a team that's going to actually really, really compete for years to come. So uh, it sucks. Like if I'm a paying fan that went to that game and I saw 56 seconds of Joel Farabee, I'm a little pissed off. So I certainly anticipate torts to give me a better answer as a fan, especially to the media who are representative of the fans in some cases, in this case they are, say, hey, what happened here? It's a fan favorite. Why is Joel Farabee out? And again, he does not have to get into specifics, but what what didn't he listen about? Did he not listen about getting on the back end? Did he not listen about uh, playing aggressive? Was it just he was the punching bag for that day and he's sending a message to the rest of the team going, hey, if you play like this, I'm benching you. Okay, but let's break that down. You're 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 a player first kind of you know viewpoint. Um, I am the exact opposite. I am a coach first kind of kind of viewpoint. Because why am I? Yes, people pay to see the Flyers. Yes, he's one of the marquee guys. Exactly, but they say you pay to see the Flyers, not just Joe Faraby. So that's I'm going to put that part aside. Part that park that argument for a second. The thing is about Joel Farabee being benched is that it's clearly because he pinched too hard too early and was told not to and did not. And the thing is, is that if you're going to disobey the coach, okay, there needs to be repercussions for that. And you need to be held accountable. And what do we talk about? Accountability. They play, we talk about player, people need to be held accountable. The players need to be held That's accountable. That's fine. The argument that I have is, does he deserve to be benched for the remaining 40 minutes of the game? Yeah. If like you're that, trying to send a message, 100%. Because obviously, you coaching him, if you're Tortorella and you've said, watch the tape with this and say, don't pinch when that happens. Just get back in the defensive zone. We had to prevent goals from going in. Yes, we do need to take chances and score goals. But at the same time, we have to play smart and know when to pinch and when not to. Okay? Obviously, he got too aggressive, got in there, and he got, and he got backed up and they scored a goal out of it. It's one of those things where you're on a rebuilding team. You're on a younger team. You're on a you're on a t- yes. I said rebuilding, Bill. I did. I did. You're you're there's a rebuilding team, and 
what's happening in that is that you're trying to teach these players to play the right way. So what happens is if you pinch too hard and you give up a goal because of your mistake after the coaches clearly have told you that, stop doing that. Yeah, well, guess what? Even if you math up to the coach or not, you know what? By him saying he didn't listen means that I'm coaching him on this. He doesn't want to respond. You're not going to do that. You're not going to play. And it goes back to what I was saying last week about Morgan Frost. Obviously, there's something in the background there why he wasn't getting ice time for a while. Now, with Noah Cates being injured for a while, he's going to be needed, so he's going to play. Yeah, because he would have been benched, too, after that uh, terrible tripping penalty or hooking. He had a bad penalty uh, early on against the Devils, too. It it was not a good first 15, 20 minutes, honestly, for the Flyers uh, Friday night. And they bounce back, which makes no, the and, comeback and and, and, all that and more impressive. And that's the key. And that's the key because you also did it with eleven forwards, not twelve. Because mm-hmm. Farabee only played fifty six seconds. Now I'll say this: I think by by you saying that with uh, with Morgan Frost, it's probably something where he has moments where he does stops moving his feet and he plays a little lazy. You know, I know he has a lot of skill and he creates a lot of the offensive zone, but understand is that it doesn't matter. Tortorella is a defensive first coach. He is talking about team defense. You have to prevent goals from happening. That's the only way this team is going to win right now, especially when you're only scoring one goal a game. You cannot give a team like the Devils with Jack Hughes and Luke Hughes. You can't give them opportunities. They have a lot of talent up front, like none like the Flyers. The Flyers can't match that talent and speed up front yet. They'll get there someday, but they can't match yet. So they can't go and end with them. They have to play structured defensively. And, and that's the key. If you're not going to play smart defensively and you're going to give the Devils key chances, well, guess what? You didn't listen. You're not going to play. Now, I respect Tortorella for not going into detail about it. That's fine. Like I said, he doesn't have to go into specifics, but he owes – actually, if, if he had said what you had just said, I'd be fine with it. Like if he, he – like that was generic enough to give the fans enough information to say, that's understandable. I understand. Moving on. And honestly – the next day, today, when uh, Torts was asked about it, he goes, I saw Farabee in the hallway for two seconds. We acknowledged it. I've moved on. He's going to get his opportunities, and he's going to get back in. I'm not scratching him. or It didn't sound like he's scratching him for Saturday. Bingo, so it's see? not a big deal at the end of the day. Exactly. The, the problem is, on the same game, there was a huge defensive breakdown, honestly a worse defensive breakdown in my opinion, that led to a second goal where he completely hung out Sean Couturier like I was alluding to earlier, where's the repercussions for the defenseman there? Or like that's 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 the stuff that also annoys me. That annoys that annoys fans. You got you got to bench every single player, every single thing. Torts has no problem with it to to some extent. Obviously not. Uh, ev- like going down to six defense or five defensemen, whatever the case. But like after you go down to eleven forwards, but he's fine just scratching. Uh. Zamula for stall. Obviously, the other night he he flipped it, which is the right move. Um, he's scratched Farabee multiple times that we've talked to. He's missed about nearly half the games because of of Torts' decision. He has no problem scratching these players. So uh, now I'm proven wrong on Saturday tomorrow against Pittsburgh if there is a change on defense uh, that led to that goal. I don't anticipate that happening. So Torts is fine to the most part. I just don't always agree with his coaching style uh, because it – I don't want to say favorites because that's not the right word. That's absolutely not the right word. But I guess because he has such a short leash for Farabee, I'm a little annoyed with that because I don't think that's fair. But that's his standard for Farabee. So. And look, and look, 
this is what you have to understand. And I get, I understand your perspective because you're looking at it from a player side and the fan side. I completely respect that. But understand is that teams play things close to the chest. They're not going to throw every single detail about that. At the end of the day, these are these are actual human beings, and, and you know, so they get paid handsomely, all that stuff. But they're they're doing their job. They're working very hard. They're working in entertainment. At the end of the day, however, when when you when you talk about this as far as the Farabee situation and how John Tortorella goes about it, let's not forget that Joel Farabee has been a bit inconsistent the last two seasons. Okay, he has been inconsistent. John Tortorella has been trying to work with him and fix him as it seems in the background. But the thing is, is that, yeah, look, he was being a good sport in the third period, and he was, you know, he was, he was opening the door and being I, there for his teammates. Uh, but such look, a look, funny image. I'm sorry. It, yeah, it, I mean, it, it is, it's true, but at the same time, like, and he's trying to be a good teammate, but the same thing is I respect a coach that says, you know what, I don't care if you're one of our marquee guys. I don't care. I've been trying to, if you're not going to listen to what we're going to say, you're not going to play. John Tortorella said it from day one of training camp. There are options here. There are, nobody has a safe roster spot. I mean, granted, you're not going to take out your best player and Sean Couturier and bench him for an entire game unless it's something egregious. It's not like you'd say he hasn't done it before. He's done it with he did it a lot with Pierre Luc Dubois and Columbus, and that's why that fell apart. But granted, Farabee, yes, Farabee is a talented young player. Farabee also is a talented young player. Okay. He's not there yet as far as the consistency that you'd want to see from him. He's got 15 points in 23 games. Eight goals, seven assists, but it's not consistent. It's not like what Travis Konechny has done, and Travis Konechny has become an impactful player every every time he touches the puck. He's not a guy like Travis Sanheim, who has grown to be a point producer. He's got 14 assists. He's got got 16 points in 23 games. That's pretty solid, actually. That's very solid. He has minus 12, but he's eating a lot of minutes. But at the same time, too, like Sean Couturier, he's got 15 points. He's been consistent. You know, yes, I'm going to ask people to say, well, wait, Joel Farabee's got 15 points. Consistency isn't about just the points. It's about what you do when you have the puck. Sometimes talent can it can and can override skill, but the thing is, it's like the old saying. Hard work will beat out talent when talent does not work hard. And I'm not saying that Joel Farabee does not work hard, but you need to do it consistently. And that's how you become elite in this league. And again, he's a younger player. Give him the rope. This is a lesson for him. They dressed in the hallway. I bet you it was 10 to 1 where he had a night to think about it. And Torrell said in two seconds in the hallway, hey, look, you know why I benched you, right? Fire if you was smart enough. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I do. I got it. We're good. Yeah, we're good, right? We're moving past it. We're moving on. Yeah, see, it's a lesson. It's a lesson. It's a lesson. It's really a lesson for a young team and a young player. And it shows that I don't care how good you are. You're, you're not going to do it right. You're going to get benched. Yeah. And here's what I'll say. And I'll, I'll and I just added this to our agenda. So, uh, Sorry for doing this uh, on a pivot. I will certainly say Torts has a vision for how this team, and really any team that he has coached, wants to play. He knows how this team is playing. However, this is the first time that Flyers fans have really gotten an insight on, like, this is who we have in the pipeline. And he called a guy out by name, gave him a nickname, which you have to patent it right now if you're the Philadelphia Flyers. And he said, the way we're playing, when we get the mad Russian over here, mm-hmm. yep, then it's go time. And and he went into the his obviously how he hopes to be part of the organization at that point. And I think seems like he will. We'll see. I do love that he is already building the team 
or uh, the the style of play for what Michkov is doing. And probably Cutter Gauthier. He didn't mention him by name, but I would imagine he is being thought of for sure. Um, still unsure if he's actually going to be coming out uh, in late March, depending on how the Frozen Four. Uh, it's more yeah, likely. He'll probably play. He'll probably come up. I'm curious, yeah. So it's nice that Tortorella, because we are, and it's at the end, you think about it, and he's like, well, this is obvious. Of course he's going to try and factor these guys in for the building plan or the play, the method of play. But I love that. I do appreciate the fact that Torts is excited about Mishkov. He, he did, that was a rare instance where he sounded like a fan. Like he could have just called him, the kid over in Russia, the kid, the kid, kid we got this year. The fact that he gave him a persona, the mad Russian, like adds le- legitimacy to the pick, obviously. And then just kind of like, oh, this is real. Like he's excited. If you're not excited about this, you have to get on board now. So that was pretty cool uh, to your point about how Farabee was playing and all that. So um, pretty cool to see a moment of, 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 of human. <laughs> of human with torts going when the mad Russian gets over here. Very, very listen, cool. Listen, I, I think the bigger picture that you're not seeing in this, and I, I agree, like, this is awesome, like, the mad Russian the, the name, the fact that I really love this. Everybody wants to take this term rebuild. And, like, remember, like, oh, we got to blow up the whole roster and throw every player away. This, this is what a rebuild is. Rebuilding, retooling, whatever the hell you wanted to call it. It's definitely know? rebuild. Retooling is... He's trying to convince it's yourself. The same goddamn thing. I mean, it's you're not. No, no, no. That uh, retooling is you are is more free agency based. I think rebuilding is is draft and and farm system based. Uh, no, I I I I, dis, I disagree. I think that you're you're rebuilding. No, I I think that. Let me try to let me try to verbalize this the best I can. I think people generalize the rebuilding term. Yes, because I think I do think they they associate rebuilding with tanking, and Correct. they are not synonymous. Correct. They are okay. certainly not yes. synonymous. That's what I will give you. But I I do definitely don't think that rebuilding and retooling are the same either. Uh, because what, like I said, one's based in free agency, in my opinion. One's. I think when you talk retooling, like okay, so let me clarify. So let's say like if you're retooling. You're you're on the point with like the free agent, like you're you're tinkering, you're making roster changes, but you're keeping the overall organizational structure and change at the same. Rebuilding is okay. We have we're we're bringing in players now, and we're establishing a new system, and we're establishing new things. It doesn't mean that you're just doing it through the draft. We're bringing in a whole different ball game of what's going on here, whether it's young players, older players, and you're changing over the old staff. That's a that's a really a rebuild, if you ask me, because. You, you, yeah, the tanking thing that people got to stop with that crap. I mean, it's it's they're not def- it's, they're not tanking. That's for sure. They're rebuilding, not tanking. And they're no, just in, just in know. general around the league, people need to like the Sixers started this crap with the process, and everybody's stuck with it. Like, oh yeah, well we know we're tanking. We know we need to go through our process here. Okay, you had you had no talent on that roster. I mean, a team like San Jose is obviously tanking. Like they are, they are not trying to win any games this season. They have five wins. Uh, unless they came back the other night, do they have Within six? Or, reason, I, I don't. They even know. know. They know that they need to restock the cupboard because they don't have anything there anymore. Because they maxed out everything they could trying to go for a Stanley Cup, 
and you had nothing in the pipeline, and that team went off a cliff in two seasons. Yeah. Like, off a goddamn cliff. We saw the same thing here in Philadelphia. Like, after that 13-14 season, that team fell off a cliff with the same core of... Uh, listen, yeah, I'm sorry, maybe 12, maybe 2012-2013, because then you had... Then that team fell off a cliff. Like, after the 13-14 series against the Rangers, Steve Mason was never the same again. Voracek and Drew were inconsistent. They couldn't they couldn't get anything on the roster. But my point is, is that when you have a good coaching and you have talent, you're you're going to going to compete in the NHL. The thing is, like a team like the Sharks, because they were so good for so many years, they invested all that capital to try to get players to get them over the hump to win that Stanley Cup. They and it, and it and it didn't work. And now that's like okay, well we've had to pick the bottom of the barrel of these guys because we haven't had high draft picks or the draft capital to do that. And that's how you end up in a situation like they do or with Arizona, you know, financially because you don't have the talent there because you were good for so long. The Flyers kind of went through the same thing. I mean, they were so good in the mid two thousand stuff. They didn't use their draft capital properly. They tried to go for it. It didn't work. It's a bit of a gamble. Yes, this team has is rebuilding. But the way they're playing without top-end talent is fantastic because if they're pushing for a playoff spot right now without any, like, elite talent on the roster, Sean Couturier is borderline. Travis Konechny borderline. Yeah, he's, no, he's yeah, not borderline. Yeah, he's not an elite player. I'm saying borderline for how much he's produced so far this year goal-wise. Sure, yeah. He's developing. He could develop into a top-end player. But, like, Sean Couturier is on that fringe. He's not an elite player. He's he's a very, very good player. Almost elite. He's just a guy you don't notice all the time because they don't mark him in the NHL. But the thing is, is that imagine adding in Cutter Gauthier with the skill set that he has and Matt Vamichkov with the skill set that he has around the talent that's already been learning how to work and play and really grind into games. They're, they're, I'm not saying unstoppable, but that, that that's what you do in the rebuild. Because look at the Flyers did this with Lindros in the early 90s. They had Lindros on the team for a couple years and they didn't do shit. And then finally, just one year, the lockout year, they just turned it on. And that team was like top of the NHL. They made one move, LeClaire and Desjardins, and boom, they were off to the races for eight years. Yeah, it's true. So we'll see. Uh, I'm very curious. But before we get out of here, as always, I want to we'll talk about I want to get into this Hathaway uh, hit because I think there's a bigger bigger issue at large. But before that, as always, this episode of Orange and Backjack is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet the action on the ice all season long with DraftKings Sportsbook Saturday. It's a home and home starting on Saturday for the Battle of Pennsylvania between the Flyers and the Penguins. Uh, you can get the Flyers right now at plus 145. I think that is extremely good value. I would also go with the over on goals. Only set it at six. Download the app now and use the promo code THPN. New customers can get $150 Instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling, 888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, 
Void in Ontario. Bonus basic expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright 2003. All rights reserved. Uh, so, obviously, the big uh, thing that came out of the the game against the New Jersey Devils uh, the other night was just one of the most egregious plays uh, that has happened all season between Garrett Hathaway and Luke Hughes, and honestly, the ref as well, because it, it's com- completely their fault for why this play happened uh, to the degree that it did. Uh, puck was cleared down the ice. It was going to be an icing. There's... Uh, a, a clear delayed whistle by the referee. And because there's a delay, delayed whistle, you can actually hear the whistle go as Garrett Hathaway is laying the shoulder into Hughes. The problem obviously was that it was a little bit outside of the, uh, a little bit off the boards sent Hughes flying into the boards. But it, honestly, it's so clear that Hughes was anticipating the puck. Now, you can blame him for not playing whistle to whistle, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He thought it was going to be a whistle because he beat Hathaway to the puck. It was going to be an icing. And he started to relax his body, didn't embrace brace for the hit, and Hathaway laid him, laid him in, laid into him. Here's where I like lost my mind. How do the refs... Clearly, and they initially, the thought process was they're calling it a five-minute major because it goes immediately to review if it's a game misconduct, uh, as, as everybody knows. And honestly, if it's a, if it's worthy of a major still. So they they initially call it a, a game, uh, a major, five-minute major, going to review it. And everyone is saying, okay, they're going to look at this, realize that they were way late on the whistle, and at, at most, two-minute minor. Like I would, I I'm fine with it being a simple boarding penalty on Hathaway. Then they come back after the review and say, after review or whatever the verbiage was, uh, five minute major and a game misconduct. How we have to get to a point where not just in the NHL refs are way too involved, or in this case, ironically, uninvolved in protecting players' safety and the rules of the game that they have to always make it about themselves. Refereeing is a tough-ass job. I'm not going to sit over here and tell you that it's an easy job to do, especially at the pace of play that these pros are playing at uh, compared to what it was 10, 15 years ago. But it is embarrassing that they are allowed to just be like, well, we forgot to blow the whistle. I'm completely in... uh, at first, I thought Jack Hughes was yelling at the at a player or at the ref for not uh, doing a good enough job breaking up the fight, the scrum after that, whatever the case. Clearly yelling at the ref for being like, dude, you didn't even blow the whistle, and now my brother's hurt. He Thankfully, he came back. The refs have to be held more accountable. It's embarrassing that this happened uh, to a guy like uh, that. It Whether it happened or not, at most, this is a two-minute minor. Like, I just don't get it. It's so annoying that these refs involve or don't involve themselves at the appropriate times and hurt the game across all professional sports. So, I don't know if you saw it last night, 
tomb. But what ended up happening was uh, there was a, um, I think it was Brendan Smith, who late in the game turned around and two-handed. Oh yeah, he was two-handed. He, he was suspended. I think he was suspended for this. Uh, they, uh, they they called a two-minute minor on it. No, no, no. Uh, they they find Travis Konechny for doing the cross check that that instigated the incident because obviously that he was the instigator. Like, there's no denying that. Uh, and then yeah, I saw Brendan Smith just swiped two handed him. him. Yeah, T- took two yeah. hands and, and and like swung like a baseball bat at Travis Konechny. Here's where I, I completely agree with you. You're you're gonna sit there and say a bang bang play. A bang-bang play, Bill. It was not something that was egregious. It was a bang-bang play. You're going to sit there and say, we're going to boy a five-major for boarding when there was no whistle. Luke Hughes pulled up, and they were obviously chasing the puck below the blow, uh, below the, uh, the goal line, which means no icing. So it was going to be waved off. So I, I don't understand. By the way, Brandon Smith was suspended two games for that, that, that two. Correct. He was. Yeah, he yeah. was suspended two games for that. So... I don't understand why, like everybody wants to, in sports talks about the consistency of the referees. There's there's so much inconsistency. And granted, let's let's give them a little bit of credit. It's not the easiest job in the world to do. It's not. I think from from a perspective where people get frustrated is that okay, you call it this way in this game and call it the other. If they sense that things are getting chippy and gonna get out of hand early, they're gonna throw a lot more flags to stop that stuff. Right. Yeah. They're gonna. They're. Uh... They're going to try and get control of it and uh, try and set the expectations of what they're going to be calling to try and level everything out. Honestly, I would argue, and I have no scientific data or research to 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 back this up. I would argue them doing that causes more chippiness because they're everyone's on edge about what's being called. So because of that, they. Uh, one in, it, it provocation provokes another, and then it causes a chain reaction. Well, I, I, no, I, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. Only because, like in games where that happens, and they're throwing a lot of flags, like one little thing goes wrong, and you're putting your team in a hole, and then coaches are going to start yelling about it, and it ends the flow of everything. So, I don't agree with the fact that Garn Hathaway should have gotten five minutes. Right? It's a it's a bullshit call. John Tortorella is absolutely right. You're taking hits out of hockey. It was nothing. Yeah, did he? He he hit him hard. Like, you're supposed to do that. Like, Luke Hughes is no small guy. He's 6'2", almost 200 pounds. He can hold his own. It's not like, it's not like uh, just a, uh, it's not like Zidane Chara going after uh, Claude Giroux here. This wasn't an egregious um, uh, hit. And what what drives me nuts is that you're going to take something where, yes, Konechny may have, I mean, I may have cross-checked him. He did. He ain't no May, but I mean, you no, know he what I mean? Like, like, he, 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 he cross-checked. He definitely yeah, he cross-checked Benison. Honestly, but, it's part of the game. He, he yeah. got a reaction and, and got something out of it. Could have gotten seriously hurt. but Well, that's the thing. is, There's there's no reason. You cannot, for whatever reason, you cannot, you absolutely cannot have a a whole point of, um, uh, you, can, you can't have a point where, a two-handed egregious slash of somebody is 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 not five minutes. Right. Yeah, and, I see and where you're going. You know, with and, this. And, and, right, right, right. It's five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it just at, drives me nuts. In that, it's at least a uh, double minor. Like I don't know, I've never heard of a, a slashing call that's been a double minor. Obviously, it's mostly high sticking that are double minors because uh, the blood drawn. But like, I do agree with you. I I see where you're going. Like that makes a ton of sense. It, it, it's wildly inconsistent. 
especially against rivalry games. Like when you're you have the Flyers and Devils, you have Flyers and Penguins that we have coming up over this weekend. Like you know that there's going to be chippiness. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where it, it like uh, it's I don't know. It just it just doesn't make sense to me when uh, there's such inconsistency. And that's what yeah. annoys me the most. Yeah, that's no, really I, what annoys me the most. And that's the thing is that you you want to see consistency. There has to be something. No, look, there, granted, you know, if here's here's the only here's the only argument I have against making holding referees more accountable. You know, human error is part of the game. You know, people talk about like they want to do like the 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 um you know the NFL's done a really good job with adding in the replay and making sure big things as far as like um uh <coughs> excuse me as far as you know, uh, touchdowns, you know, interceptions, turnovers, anything along those lines, those are all reviewed because those are big game-changing things. I think that we, we saw the Pandora's box open for the penalties as far as, uh, you know, over, over, you know, the, not including the human error in the 2000, I want to say 2019, 2018 or 2019 MC championship game where, you know, the Saints and the, the Rams were playing. And there was clearly a pass interference and they didn't call it and they couldn't review it. And everyone was like, we got to do something about it now. And then they did it for the next season. And, and then they immediately it, took it away. And they took it away because nobody, they, they didn't do it on the replay. Like they stuck with the calls. And I think that human error is part of the game. And I think that people have to understand is that they have to go by the rules and how they look at it. And it's in, in, in an instant. And Hey, did he do this? Did he do that? That's how you're evaluating these things and going to the AI, like, you know, robotic umpire thing is such a bad idea because then you're over officiating it and it's going to be perfect every single time. And human error is part of the game, especially when it comes to strike zones, especially comes the icings offsides. That's a good point. Yeah. I never thought about that, that, that about it that way. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, all right. So we just want more consistency. That's really what we're asking for. Just have a set like, and part of your point about human error the difference because we get inconsistency is because some refs call a close game, some refs don't call a close game, and then the, that causes inconsistency. So it's a double. It's a it's the classic catch twenty two. Yeah, catch under double edged sword. You did yeah, if you do, did if you don't. Like you, 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 If I can, if, here's here's what's going to wind up happening, Bill. And I can see this happening in the next five or ten years. They're going to get rid of umpires in baseball, and they're going to go to the robotic things. But here here here's the problem. Pitching is going to be crappier. Like, for instance, like how many times when we watch the Phillies and play, not to digress here, but this, this is going to make my point. How many times we watch where like Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler are pitching really well and they're getting calls just on the edge of the outside of the zone because the ref, the ump has expanded the zone just enough because it's not perfect. They expanded the zone just enough where it just brushes the plate. Hey, look, I'm calling that. That's the thing. You've seen plenty of times where, you know, like, for instance, Trey Turner was was swinging a ball down in the dirt and like or like something where it was thrown really low, but it was still called a strike. We've seen plenty of things of it. And we go nuts over that because it's it's a big deal. Now, imagine throwing a ball that just brushes the strike zone on the edge, but just barely and not enough for the AI umpire to pick it up. It's yeah. a great pitch, great location. You're talking three balls, two strikes, bases loaded, bottom nine, and it's a great pitch. But the AI thing said, oh, no. A robotic referee said, nope, it's the ball. Well, it must be a ball because the robot said it, and the AI is perfect and all that stuff. No, 
Like you, you gotta have the human effect in this game. If we start getting into a situation where we start using relying on on artificial intelligence, or we start relying on things that have, like computers to a referee referee games, the the excitement is going to start coming out of it because it's going to be too black and white. We're all sports and all of entertainment. It's all gray areas, man. Like you have to take the human. That's part of the suspense. I do that's agree. Part of the fun. That's part of the entertainment. I agree with the consistency part. I agree, and it's frustrating when like. You know, you see like, hey, this happened and that happened. Why, why aren't you calling the same things? That's that's humanity, man. That's human error. I'm not trying to be all like, you know, hippie talking type deal, <laughs> but it, it's the truth. It, it's it's part of it. Stop. Stop politicizing everything. If we start politicizing sports like that over the little calls that don't happen and stuff like that, it's fun for us to talk about. Like and, and have conversations because people do it and it's it's hot it's a you know hot uh, hot st- you know, hot stove topics or whatever it is uh, hot takes or whatever you know I'm getting old man yells a cloud here um, <laughs> you know but like the whole thing is is that if if you continue not to do that and you over politicize everything you get too black and white with it it just it overcomplicates it and that's not what it's all about. All right, that is going to do it. Episode 163. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the Orange Backtrack Podcast. Make sure you are following us everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere you can find us. We are on it, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hopefully, there's some nice home-and-home uh, home coming up for the Battle of Pennsylvania. Looking for a nice, clean sweep, because every season, no matter how bad the Flyers are or how good they are, you always want to beat Pittsburgh. So let's 100%. go, Flyers, and we'll see you next week. I want to show something to you while we wrap up here. I'd like to show you this. See, this is Dato Charo. See, see him? That's 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 uh, him and Nathan Gerby. That's the height difference. I'm Zdeno Charo when it comes to talking hockey. You're Nathan. Oh Gerby. well, well, nice. That's just oh okay. goaltending. I'll, I'll say that maybe maybe goaltending. Other than that, I'm definitely Nathan Gerby. <laughs>